Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to How to Be Jericho. I'm Rob McNichol. With me, as usual, is my old friend Paul Benson to talk about one of our favourite superstars today. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Yes, very much, very much looking forward to talking about um, some Jericho greatness in this one. But I've just got to, I've just got to say... The intro, mate. The intro. I see what you're doing with the with the you know, how to be Jericho thing. But surely, surely it should be how is Jericho? That's the line, isn't it? How is Jericho? Or hang on, well, hang on, no. Well, Raw is well, that, That's Raw is War is what you're taking there, isn't it? That the Raw is Jericho is Raw is War. Our podcast is called How to Be Great, so it's How to Be Jericho. Because if you, how how is Jericho? Just it sounds like you're. That sounds like you're his auntie, you know. <laughs> how is Jericho? Is he okay? Yeah. He yeah, was a peaky last time I saw him on Dynamite. I don't know why his yeah. auntie's like a bit camped more But it, it almost invites a question mark on the end. You're right there. How is Jericho? Pretty good, I imagine. Pretty good, considering the form he's in. Um, so, it's, uh, so welcome to How Is Jericho. Our top five this week is A, he's fine. B, he's not feeling really best. C, <laughs> <laughs> he's the king of the world, B, oh, and so on and so forth. Anyway, as you probably guessed by our ever so slick and well put together opening, we're going to be talking about Chris Jericho today. It's one of our more straightforward topics, actually. What is Chris Jericho's greatest match? When I say straightforward topic, I don't mean a straightforward answer. I mean a straightforward concept. Sometimes we have to lay in little caveats and it's only these years or think about it this way. Not that today. Straight on, head down. What is Chris Jericho's best ever match simple concept not perhaps so simple trying to come up with a five because the guy has had an amazing career um only just um this week we've been talking or not this week but only over the last few weeks we've been talking about uh, the anniversary of jericho in the wrestling business this week is what i was going to say we saw the retirement of the dead man 30 years of undertaker but you know but all that similar sort of time about jericho is not far behind him as well and chris is obviously still going and still very important uh, to All Elite Wrestling. So we'll be honouring him uh, with uh, a chat about his career very, very shortly, but we do need to get to the business of last time. If you're new to this podcast, hello, welcome. Uh, what we do here is we have a discussion uh, about a specific topic and we come up with our top five. Between Paul and I, we decide on what our top five is on that particular subject, but then we put it to you. You can go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote uh, and then you put forward your choice out of the five that we presented to you. Last time, we did the greatest ever Survivor Series team. Uh, ones that have existed. It wasn't picking together our fantasy lineups. It was ones that have actually existed. We decided on our, our favourites. And over the last two weeks, you have been voting. I don't know the results, Paul. Um, looks and collates and then tells us. So, Paul, give us a rundown of the five that we chose and indeed what the winner was. 
I most certainly will. So first thing I'll say is the results are pretty uniform, to be honest. They're not far off what we would have expected. We've had a few surprise winners recently. So um, this one is a bit more sort of going to form. So um, in reverse order, as per usual, fifth place um, with about 7% of the vote, we have got the 1991 team of Brett the Hitman Hart, the British Bulldog, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Virgil. We love that team, but we did say it's probably going to sneak on the back end. So again, not, not an enormous surprise there. 1990, this one's a bit lower than I would have expected. Maybe this one's the, the, the one anomaly. It's the 1990 team of the Ultimate Warrior, Texas Tornado and the Legion of Doom. I thought that might be an outside shot for winning the whole thing. Um, so it's slightly lower than I would have expected, but that got about 14%. Shaded, marginally shaded um, by the 1994 Teamsters. Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Owen Hart, Jimmy Hammer, Mindhart and Jeff Jarrett. Again, maybe a play side than I would have expected, maybe. Um, and then in second place, we've got, again, Shawn Michaels. This time he's with Triple H. He's with Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy and CM Punk in uh, Team DX in 2006. Uh, that got about 28% of the boat. Boat? Vote. Um, and then no real surprise to see the winner on around 36% was the Team WWF from 2001 which consisted of The Rock, The Undertaker, Kane, The Big Show, and the man of the moment, our subject today, Chris Jericho. Um, so that was that was probably what we expected, wasn't it, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pure, almost pure star power, isn't it, on, on, yeah. those, top, on those top two teams. Um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, you're looking at, you know, Matt Hardy is probably a step below, but CM Punk, Jeff Hardy, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You know, you're looking at, you know, fantastic, you know, star power, great main events, lots of more world championships between them. And then you take that up another level, plus the, you know, the, the way that um, the company was in 2001. We can all have our um, complaints or whatever you might say about the invasion and the whole angle itself. But I think it is worth remembering that, the, first of all, the invasion pay-per-view, the first one um, was hugely successful and, you know, pretty good. Not amazing, but pretty good. And then the Survivor Series, you know, blow off, call it what you will. That, you know, with the, all the stakes, you know, on hand, it was a good match. And, and certainly that team is, uh, is a bit of a, uh, a monolith, isn't it? So, you know, I think it's um, hard, to, uh, hard to disagree. As you know, I'm not a big Survivor Series guy. So it wasn't necessarily one I felt all that passionate about. But I think that was probably, it made sense as the winner. Yeah, I think so too. Might not be my choice, but it's one of those, one of those ones, one of those situations where... Wouldn't have been my pick, but I'm certainly not going to argue it's a very, very valid winner. Yeah, not a, not a hill I'm willing to die on uh, by any means. Uh, this, though, today, the subject might be a little bit different. I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. Um, I've interviewed him on many occasions. Uh, I hosted two days of a live Q&A show that he did at the Les Square Theatre in London about five years ago. Uh, he was terrific to work with. I'm a big fan of him professionally. He's also a very nice chap personally. Uh, and... It's an astounding career and, you know, it's going to be one of those careers that when you look back, is really unique and that had, tends to happen with a lot of the, the great stars. But even someone like, a, um, you look at a, a Kurt Angle or a Bret Hart or, you know, various others, is that great careers, great wrestlers, but, you know, relatively uniform. I mean, they might have come into it from a different place, but they started here and they had some matches and then they moved to another company and then this happened. That's fairly regulation. 
But we're, we're talking about a couple of different people, um, you know, this week in terms of one of them being Undertaker. And we've, we've seen all that, what's happened there. Astonishing what happened with that character that you probably wouldn't have even thought would have lasted a year and has lasted 30 and just gone down as this unbelievable icon. Um, but Jericho is almost the last of the... Um, almost the last of the territory guys, you know, in the sense that he started by going, okay, I'm going to go to Mexico and get better. I'm going to go to Japan and get better. I'm going to go to Europe, to Germany and get better. And then you went to ECW and the WCW and the WWE. And you would assume that that career finishes in his mid forties, six, seven years ago, going into the, and also as a WWE legend, maybe doing a bit of commentary, the odd appearance here and there, Hall of Fame, thanks very much, good night. But he didn't. He went to New Japan. And now he's part, part of this startup company and he's still going. And listen, he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still pretty darn good. And he's in his 50s, isn't he now? And it's like, he's just, just turned, turned 50, isn't he? Just turned 50. Yeah. And it's like, absolutely extraordinary. There is, even someone like Ric Flair, you know, who might have carried on a little bit longer, but Ric Flair wasn't as good at 50 as Chris Jericho is at 50. And it's like, oh, in God. terms of in-ring and what he can do and stuff. And it's just, you know, the man really is extraordinary. And I don't think anyone when he started in 1999 would have said, the WWF in 1999 would have said in 21 years time, this guy is still going to be relevant. And that, and he certainly yeah. is. That's it's just, it's, it's very, very cool. There's a, there's an awful lot to like and admire about Chris Jericho. And a lot of it's already been, um, already been spoken about at length all over the place, you know, primarily his ability to constantly reinvent himself, constantly to be slightly ahead of where wrestling's going and making sure He's positioned as a big part of that vanguard, you know? People talk about how Hulk Hogan back in the day was made sure he was on all the big pay-per-views, all the big shows, so it looked like he was drawing. It, and they talk, that's often meant as a criticism, but surely that's a skill. Um, to be, you know, it's all about drawing money and having the best perception. And Jericho's exactly the same, just in, just in a very different guy. So, like, you know, when he, where he saw the wind blowing towards New Japan, he jumped over there and... And, and added a little bit of stardust and a little bit of a Western connection to, to A, help himself, and B, help that grow. And then he went over to AEW, as you just mentioned. He, uh, he's been the abs- you know, he's been the linchpin there. He's, the, he's one of the, you know, he, outside of the elite, he was the guy that made it possible. You know, you liken it to football. Um, you know, he's like when Man City signed Yaya Toure. Like, you know, get, it's all right having all these, you know, rogues, rock, Roque Santa Cruzes and all these guys. But when you sign a true superstar who's been there and done it at the highest level, then, you know, you're making waves. But what I most admire, I think, about Jericho, when you look back at his career, he's an undersized dude. What, what is he, like 5'10", five, 5'9", five, something like that? No, I, you know, think he's probably, I think he's probably six foot. I think he's probably six foot, six foot. He's not my height. He is not my height, I can tell you that for nothing. He is, um, he is no, t- I can guarantee it starts with a five. You're, um, tall, you're about 6'2", aren't you? 6'2", I'm 6'1". Two, two, right. I'm 6'1". Okay. I can assure you he starts with a five. But the point is, you know, he has had, to, coming up through, as you mentioned, Mexico and ECW and Japan, he was given nothing. He had to fight and invent every opportunity. He was, there was no opportunities that, that you know, presented themselves to Chris Jericho because of the way he looked or who he knew or the size he was. Every opportunity that Chris Jericho got was created by Chris Jericho and he absolutely took advantage. And I'm in any walk of life, be it wrestling or business or anything, whatever you do, I'm a huge, huge fan of people that proactively create their own 
opportunities because they're the ones that are going to succeed and they're the ones that success is most valuable. And Jericho is maybe the primary example of that in wrestling. He's, he is as close to a self-made man in wrestling as you could possibly get. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we could, we could go on. This is not a Chris Jericho appreciation podcast in the sense that we're talking about his career. We're going to get specifically into the matches. But if we wanted to go into other depth, I think we could talk about how um, unbelievably varied his entire life and career has been. You know, I think remember seeing the documentary of his. Um, was, it, was it called Cracking the, Breaking the Code or something like that, the documentary? Um, and, it was, and he talks about it and he said, there's two things I wanted to be in my life. I wanted to be a wrestler and I wanted to be a rock star. Well, you know, Fozzie aren't the biggest band in the world, but they've still done pretty darn well for themselves and travelled around the yeah, country, sure. and around the world, I should say, and you know, played in front of a decent amount of people. You know, he's done that really well. He was on Dancing with the Stars, the, you know, the American equivalent of Strictly Come Dancing. He's hosted the game show. He's got a very good podcast. Um, you know, he's done a bit of acting, but a bit of comedy. It's, like, it's the guy can do he's, everything, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing career. Um, so and that's another um, difference to him to, to various other people. So uh, all credit to him, and we've already made very, very clear we're, we're huge Chris Jericho fans uh, on this particular show. But today we're going to be a bit more forensic and try and pick out five of his greatest matches. Um, to do that, we're going to need to look at his whole career. Um, but I want to start. Basically everywhere but the WWE. Um, I'm not saying that that's the only place we're going to find his best matches, but it's undoubtedly where he had the best of his career. Um, it was where he was at his peak. It's where he found his peak um, and where he reinvented himself. But it doesn't preclude other um, iterations of Jericho from, from featuring. So um, I'm going to start with you and say the floor is yours, but give us a match from either AEW, New Japan, um, WCW, ECW, or any of the sort of territories, if you happen to have seen any, any of those. Okay, um, I'm going to give you one of my favourites. Which one should we go with? I think I'm going to go with it's Slamboree 1998. Um, okay. Not, not only is it a really famous sort of angle, but it's also a fantastic match. It's the um, Ultimately, the match is Dean Malenko against Chris Jericho. And it's the match where Dean Malenko defeats Jericho for the Cruiserweight title. But it's more than a match. And, you know, it's a match between two guys in the Cruiserweight division who traditionally didn't get all that much of a spotlight and that much crowd support. But because of the way these guys had built up their feud, and specifically what I'm talking about is, if you remember before that match, we had the um, Cruiserweight Battle Royal. Um that was won by Cyclope and Dean Malenko had been away for a while. Um, Jericho had run him out of the company, supposedly. Um, and this cruiserweight battle royal was to get an immediate title shot. And it came out to Cyclope, Cyclope, easy for me to say, um, and Juventud Guerrera. And Juventud eliminated himself. And then Cyclope unmasked to reveal that it was, of course, Dean Malenko all along. Jericho pitched an absolute hissy fit uh, and the resulting match was an absolute stormer of a cruiserweight title match where the, it was the absolute nadir of whiny Chris Jericho in WCW where he'd absolutely met his match after trying to weasel out of his confrontation with Malenko and Malenko just beat him and took out all the frustrations of the prior few months on him and it was just absolutely glorious. A great mix of character work and, uh, and ring work and a brilliant culmination to a great feud. So that's where I'm going to start with Malenko and Jericho from Slamboree 98. 
Yeah, an interesting choice. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Slambury 98 is the, um, is that the pay-per-view where Bischoff challenged Vince? Is that uh, Stanbury 98? You tell me. I'm not sure on that one. To be no, honest. I think it is. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I think that's. I think it's that. That's. That's what. Okay. When you said Stanbury 98, a bell went off, and I was trying to work out why. Because I couldn't. I couldn't work out the match that you were going to. Um, to, to begin with, and then I basically because I'm aware of the angle that you're talking about, but I don't specifically remember the pay per view. But Slambury 98 to me is, is going. Bishop Vince, Bishop Vince. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I do yeah. remember that angle. I don't remember the match necessarily. I remember the, the unveiling of the um, the fact that Malenko was Cyclope rather than the, the match itself. But I'll, I'll trust you on that one. Um, Jericho and Malenko. See, there's a different podcast that we could do here um, if we wanted to, which is who was Chris Jericho's best opponent, right? And I think the reason why we don't do that is because ultimately we talk about it for a couple of hours and then we decide it's Shawn Michaels. But Agreed. He has had a, a vast array of really, really good opponents. He seems to have chemistry with a lot of people, Jericho. And there's certain yeah. people where you go, oh, they're good wrestlers, but they only really click with other certain wrestlers. Like, um, I don't know, someone like a, 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 an RVD might be that sort of person. Do you know what I mean? There's RVD's great, but there's lots of people RVD doesn't you know, work gel with. You don't, you don't get true. a good RVD versus Triple H match, for example, or whatever. But you might get a great RVD versus Jeff Hardy match. There's certain people that, that, that click with others. Um, but I think Jericho, not perhaps you know, to, the, to the level of, of a Bret Hart, but Jericho can wrestle almost everybody. And he's, but he seems to have really, really nice chemistry with certain people, whether it's on the microphone uh, as a feud or whether it's in the match in, in, in the ring. And I think, I think if you were doing Jericho's best opponents, I think I'd have a suggestion that Malenko could be on this list. And I'm not a huge Dean Malenko guy, but Jericho and Malenko just seem beautifully linked to me. Because Jericho is everything that Dean Malenko isn't, and vice versa. You know, at that level of their career. So Jericho's what here, 98, he's what, 28? Something like that, 27, 28? Something like that, yeah. And you think he's a cocky, brash, I'm talking character-wise, he's a cocky and he's brash and he's different and whatever, but you want him to be more sensible and straightforward and more grounded, whereas um, Malenko it is those things, but you want him to grow a personality and you want him to be a bit more entertaining. And, and to, but they click beautifully. And there's, I don't know exactly when in their history, the man of a thousand holes you know, morphs into Jericho's 1004 list and that amazing, you know, armbar promo. Um, but I, I think Jericho's best WCW work is, is with Malenko. Um, I think there's a couple of good matches. I don't have them written down specifically, but um, I know he had a couple of good matches with, with Eddie um, in WCW, you might have the specific pay per views there. I don't know, um, but I certainly—if you say to me Jericho in WCW, I think of Dean Malenko first. I think that's fair. Well, it was his calling card, wasn't it? It was the feud that brought him to sort of wider attention, and and right, so it was a great one. And yeah, the other ones I've got in WCW, by the way, are, one of them is indeed against Eddie Guerrero for the uh, WCW Cruiserweight Title at Fall Brawl '97. Um, I've got another Dean Malenko match at Uncensored 98 um, and Ultimo Dragon at Super Brawl 8. I think that might be all of them. Um, yeah, it is all really good matches but um, and well worth acknowledging. But I don't think any of them touch what he did in WWE, if I'm honest. No, I mean, we'll we, we acknowledge the fact that we think this is probably going to be relatively WWE-centric because he had such a good, you know, the, the, the contenders are so high. And the fact that we can't necessarily remember these matches, you know, says a lot about 
Uh, well, I can't remember them. You might remember them better than me. But it says a lot about where they actually rank. Not really Chris's fault. They simply weren't allowed to breathe, were they, in, in WCW? He was never in a right. position to have a 20-minute, 20 25-minute classic um, like he was for years and years and years in the WWE and indeed beyond. Um, so I think it's not really his own fault. But I think if we were doing the, the WCW years, um, that would be the, the one that comes up. Um, anything else pre WWE that you, you want to single out that you've seen? Um, I've got a couple actually. What have I got? I've got oh, I happened to watch this match about six weeks ago. Um, it's the it's from the Super J Cup in 1995 in War. It's Chris Jericho against the Pegasus Kid, who many will know is in fact Chris Benoit. Um, wonderful match, absolutely wonderful, really hard hitting Japanese style, very much ahead of its time. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to make a case for it for the top five purely because I don't think enough people would have seen it to make it, you know, haven't any sort of chance. But please, if you listen to this and you haven't seen that match, try and seek it out and watching it. It's a really, really good match. Um, and then is there any more from prior to no that, that's it actually that's the only one that would be around about the time I think that because I'm trying to work out when when Benoit and I was going to say when Benoit first appeared in WCW he was first around in the early 90s but I think that's sort of when he came back as part of the um, you know and he became part of the Horseman wasn't it when he he, he was such a big star in, in New Japan and, and that sort of era and, and yeah. came back in so I think that's that it's that sort of era. Um, I, I, can't, I can't admit to actually knowing you know, that match you're talking about in terms of having seen it and know the ins and outs, but obviously I've been doing some research for this podcast. That did come up in, in plenty of places. Um, it was one I was going to mention had you not mentioned it, um, but not because I'm putting it up there or anything because I can't say I'm familiar with it, but um, it certainly has been mentioned in, in plenty of Jericho lists. It's probably been his best match to that point. Sure. Um, and, some, yeah. and some would say... Um, one of his best matches all told. So if you think it's of, of a sufficient standard and you, you, know, you really want to go to bat for it, I'm, uh, I'm willing to listen because I can't, I can't say you're wrong. I'm just, I'm, I have to well, feed a little bit of ignorance. But it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that they would have had an amazing match between the two of them. Well, let's keep it on the list for now and um, see, where it, see where we land in, a, in an hour or so's time. Yeah, we are going to get to some very, very good ones. Um, speaking of New Japan, um, let's stay there, but go there in the uh, you know, several years into the 21st century. Yeah. Um, Jericho wrestled pretty much all of the top guys um, in, in New Japan uh, around that time, despite them only being there intermittently. Um, I've seen most of those matches. Um, there's one or two. There's, there's certainly one exception that I would like to see because I'm such a fan of the guy himself, but I know that Jericho wrestled um, Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, and I haven't seen that match, and I love Hans Tanahashi, so um, I'd imagine that could have been very, very good. So, but I have seen Jericho's matches with um, Naito and with Okada, uh, and others that he wrestled in, in New Japan. But I do think easily, for me, of all the ones that I've seen easily, his best match in New Japan was his first one um, against Kenny Omega. And so I, I think we you know, really need to have a chat about that one, because I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was a fantastic match. Yeah, I'd say. Um, and it had so much riding on it as well, didn't it? There was, you know, there was so, it was such an important match for both Jericho and New Japan's international expansion. It was phenomenal. Um, not, not a surprise when you get a motivated, fresh Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega um, in the same ring and on a massive stage. It was just 
it was so surreal, wasn't it? Can you remember when the match was announced, just out of nowhere on a Sunday night? Uh, there was no inkling or hint that Jericho was going to be part of New Japan before that. Boom! In one Sunday night, you had um, your Triple H turn up at an indie show in the UK on camera, which was the biggest news of, like in ages. It was just absolute blowaway stuff. Not an hour later, you get Jericho Omega at the Tokyo Dome. You're like, I'll oh, forget that. <laughs> let's get, let's talk was about that the this. same day? Same I remember day. that because the, the Triple H one, he was at Progress, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, that's right, yeah. Was it Progress or was it ICW? Was it Progress? Oh, it doesn't really, I'm it doesn't not, really matter. Sure. People, people listening, I'm sure, will know better than us. But, um, you know, either way, I do remember Triple H suddenly being here. Um, I didn't know that was the same day. Extraordinary. But yeah, I remember yeah. it was one of those ones waking up and looking at Twitter first thing on a Monday morning and see Jericho trending and wondering why. And, and then when you look into it, it was the video, wasn't it? He turned up on that, on that video in, in, That's right. um, in New Japan. Uh, extraordinary. But a great build, some really cool things that they did in, in the build up to that. And again, it was, it was a new Jericho, wasn't it? A new sort of look, a new approach again, as he's always able to do. Um, and the fact was that he came into that in a really interesting way because almost when anybody debuts for a company, like, I don't know who would be their biggest heel, you know, going these days outside of WWE, but whoever it was, if they debuted tomorrow in the WWE or next, this weekend, next Monday on Raw, whenever, they would be massively cheered, wouldn't they? It wouldn't matter who it is. If it's a big enough, they cheer the moment rather than the match. And they're even yeah. skilled enough wrestler that they can turn themselves. But, you know, Jericho turning up in that company, you know, and the, and the way that Japan has changed over the last few years is different in terms of accepting, you know, American, North American, even British wrestlers, you know, the, the guy genes. It, it's been accepted in a bit different way than it would have done in the era of, say, Stan Hansen and Terry Funk and Vader and, and whatever. But um, I think the fact that Jericho went there and it was such a cool moment, clearly, but they loved Omega and that Jericho came in there and was kind of insulting and, um, you know, Jericho got to play the heel that I think he enjoys playing the most and, and you know, that crowd wanted Kenny to win. And, but I think they genuinely bought that Jericho was a, was a threat. You know, I think, you know, obviously Omega wins, but it's, I think the fact that, you know, that Jericho comes in, and I think there's a couple of matches we'll come back to later, which I like as matches, but I think that sometimes there's the, the lack of jeopardy over the winner. And it sounds obvious that, oh, clearly Omega, the younger guy, is going to work with Jericho and, um, and that's where it's going to go. But it was, I think there was a legitimate, you know, um, question about it and just a, a stunning match. Am I right in thinking that that's the one that Meltzer gave five stars to? Um, Not that that necessarily least, matters. He, he gave at least five stars. He might have even gone higher. Know what he's like for New Japan and Kenny Omega. Um, yeah, I think I think all of those higher ones have been with um, Okada. With Okada, though, I don't think it's all, it's been for the. But I, I think that um, I think that's right. I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is that he had a match with he had a match with Omega in AEW, right? I'm not getting, I'm not getting right, that wrong, yeah. am I? But no, it was no. the, the first one. The first, it was a double or nothing, wasn't it? So it, it, the Correct. first one was um, was was far far better um, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm assuming you agree with all that. I've done most of the talking there, but assuming you agree with that, is there anything else in, in New Japan? And if not, take us on to AEW, which you're, you're much more familiar with than I am. Uh, no, that's the only one, really. You're right, it's the best one. Um, the other matches have been perfectly good. But um, I think we're at the point, really, um, where Jericho's not all about having great matches. And again, that's not a criticism because he brings so much more to the table than 
you know, amazing work rate. You know, you only have to look at what he's done for Orange Cassidy and MJF in the last few months. Um, not a, no great matches whatsoever, but he's made Orange Cassidy a star. He's making MJF a bigger star. Um, and he doesn't need to have barn burners to do that because he's such a strong character and such a creative guy. So with that in mind, there, is, there isn't a whole lot in um, AEW that stands out, to be honest. And, and in fact, nothing I've got on the list. Um, in my opinion, the best match he's had in AEW was full gear last year against Cody Rhodes, where Cody challenged for the title for the uh, what turned out to be the last time in, in AEW. And it was a very good match. But again, it's not anything I would sort of... I wouldn't have it sniffing Jericho's top 20 to be honest. I don't think he's had that standout match yet. I don't know if he will in AEW, and that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. The man's 50 years old and playing a very different role. There are enough great in-ring workers in AEW for it to not matter one jot whether Chris Jericho ever troubles the top end of that five-star scale ever again. Uh, but I, I, I personally will put anything in AEW on the list. Yeah, you, you referred to how you would link Jericho to, to Hogan earlier on in, in a certain way. Um, I think in terms of in-ring stuff and, and, and the position for the company, I think Jericho is almost a little bit like when, um, when Savage went to WCW. You know, I don't think any of Randy Savage's greatest matches happened in WCW, but he was still extremely important from an in-ring perspective and was champion and brought other people on and you know, continued to be really, really important, even though his best days were behind him. That doesn't mean he's not credible and capable i think that's a very fair comparison actually yeah i'd um i'd say relatively speaking to the two companies i think jericho's importance quite significantly outranks savage but it's a very similar similar ethos isn't it yeah jericho's is more important because he, there isn't hogan is there there isn't you know exactly jericho, had jericho gone to aew at the same time as the rock you know then, there you, go. you know we, we might be having a different conversation but uh I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think his is more significant to AEW um, for many reasons, but I think in terms of his, his abilities and stuff, um, I would liken it um, quite a bit to Savage. Um, so, okay, we'll take those matches that, um, that we've mentioned so far that we've kind of um, put on a bit of a pedestal and we'll put them on our medium list, as we call it. The long list is what we come up with. The medium list is where we put it through. And then the short list will be the, the five that we come up with at the end. We could go through... Um, lots and lots and lots of matches in lots of different ways in, in the WWE and we could start at the start or we could start at the end or whatever. But I think, I think we go big from the, from the off here. I've already mentioned, I think Chris Jericho's best ever opponent is Shawn Michaels. I think you agree with me. Let's talk Jericho Michaels and let's decide on the best of their matches. It doesn't have to be just one. We could, we could make this list the best five matches and four of them could be Jericho Michaels matches if we so wish. Um, but let's discuss the best of, those two and decide um, what we feel would be uh, ranking on this list. So have you got a specific preference for a Jericho versus Michaels match? Um, no, I just, there's three that stand really shoulder to shoulder for me. Um, and, and by the way, great shout in, in putting the, getting Michaels in first, because really in ring wise, it's, it's probably what defines Jericho's time in WWE. It was such a strong spine of work across a few different years. Um, but ultimately, I think the three, and this is this is not me showing any sort of vision here, because I think everyone would agree, there are three standout matches against Shawn Michaels. There's WrestleMania 19 to start. There's their unsanctioned match at No Mercy 2008. I think, have I got that right? Or is that the ladder match? 
Let me convert uh, to my notes. That's the ladder that's, match, isn't that's it? That's the ladder match. Yeah, I and don't know the pay-per-view for the... Um, it's the, Unforgiven. It Unforgiven okay. is the unsanctioned match. It was the unsanctioned match first and then the ladder match came later, didn't it? Um, so well, those, they had those three. Are, they they had, had three. One of them... The first one was the bash. The first one was the Great it, American bash. And it was a step below. It was a step... It was still, obviously, Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. It was a really good match. But to me, it wasn't... It wasn't the same as the other three, but it wasn't designed to be. It wasn't in that same epic space, was it? I think to make a truly great match like that, it needs to have that aura of true sort of grandio- grandiosity. Is that a word? Is that a no, word? Or good, but I like it. It's the kind of word that Chris Jericho would like. So you're allowed right, to well, say grandiosity around Jericho because he would he would like that a great deal. Grandiosity it is then. Um, and I think the, the three matches that I've mentioned really have that in spades and maybe the one at the Great American Bash quite, doesn't have the same level. So they're the three. It doesn't, but, it, but it's not supposed to. As you quite exactly. rightly said, it's not supposed exactly. to. Be. Exactly. The timeline of the 2008 feud, which, by the way, is the greatest feud of all time. That's another topic we might do one day. Um, but for me, it's the greatest ever. Um, the timeline essentially is the highlight reel Sean goes through the um, Tron, the Geratron 3000, uh-huh. then the beating at Great American Bash, but then SummerSlam is Michael's retiring, isn't he? Right. So, so Jericho has to get the advantage, has to get the better of him, you know, first on the highlight reel, then at um, Great American Bash. So it wasn't meant to be, um, you know, a, a great finish and a great, you know, sequence or whatever. It was meant to be Jericho kicking the shit out of him, which is what he did. Then Michael's goes to retire, then Jericho hits... Um, oh, I forget that. I forget Sean's wife's name, but it's, it's Mrs. Michaels, hit Mrs. Hickingbottom um, by accident, and then that's the, the impetus for Sean to come back. So that's why the match is unsanctioned, and then you know, and then of course you've got the scramble in. So it's, it's such a beautifully put together timeline. But you're right in terms of the matches. I actually am not such a fan of the um, the unsanctioned match, partly because I don't like unsanctioned matches because they don't right. make sense. Why is it on your pay per view then? Why isn't it in a parking lot in the you know the back of nowhere with no referee why is it actually on your show um it, it, but that's not their fault <laughs> really the, the, the logic no but, it, but again that's a stoppage isn't it again and I, I think it doesn't have the it doesn't have the the beauty of a finish um like the other two that you've mentioned but the other two are the ones that uh you know we really need to delve into a little bit i think well let's do that then let's let's take out the unsanctioned match i'm i'm more than happy to do that because the other two deserve the deserve the spotlight and they're such different matches aren't they like you know i let, let's start with wrestlemania um in two was it 2003 it was wasn't it wrestlemania 19 the best wrestlemania of all time <laughs> so says you yeah he's, he's definitely 19 <laughs> it's definitely 19 and so that is 2003 it's because i can work yeah. out wrestlemania's via my age so yes there, there you go so a tremendous wrestlemania and this is arguably the best match on the card, but speaks volumes for the cards that it is only arguably the best match on the card and not definitely the best match on the card. Um, but it's a tremendous storyline going in. Jericho's on the young end of the scale here, and it's when Michaels is still very much in his first phase of his return. Um, he's not doing many matches. You don't know how long he's going to be around. I think after this, he kind of settled into the role of a part-time full-timer, like you knew he was going to be around for a while, but this was still, he could have gone, could have gone either way. Um, they'd been antagonising one another for months uh, from the Royal Rumble onwards, if I remember rightly, and it was just built on respect. Chris Jericho was the young guy, the brash guy that Shawn Michaels was 
10 years prior. Um, and it was about Jericho wanting to slay Shawn Michaels to show that he was, he was the present and Michaels was the past. Really simple story told incredibly well by two all-time greats. And the in-ring, as you can imagine, A, it was a, a huge, high-quality bar set. But B, it matched the story. And that was the important part. It matched the story. The, the story was Shawn Michaels scrapping to show that he was still that one step ahead of the young pretender. And it was Jericho getting more and more frustrated as he realized he couldn't quite put the old dog down. Um, and he tried and he tried. And eventually you thought, you know, Michael's won a very, very close one. And you thought you were getting that moment of contrition from Jericho at the end where he was going to admit the better man won and then bosh, low, low blow. Um, and we were back to, you know, Jericho coming out of it looking fantastic, even though he lost. Um, wonderful, wonderful match. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's undeniable. Again, it's, if, if you were sort of following the, the timeline, you'd probably say it's Jericho's best match, you know, in his career, certainly to, to that point, in my opinion. Um, it's certainly the most important match he'd had at that stage. Um, you know, we'd, you know in, in terms, because to me, well, to me it is, I know we've already gone past the point where he's, you know, double champion and, and whatever there, but I still think having that sort of match on that sort of, um, you know, uh, that sort of stage, I think is just as important to the, the Jericho legacy and what he's going to go on to do in the future, um, as opposed to necessarily just winning titles. And, um yeah, it's, it's absolutely superb. And you can clearly see the story was brilliant. And again, it's the story going into it that makes you care. Um, I often make a reference to uh, a match only last year or the year before with um, Finn Balor and AJ Styles, which was you know, absolutely beautiful and wonderful, but there's no real story. Do you know what I mean? So it's, there wasn't any heat on it. And it was, yeah. you know, we want to see those two wrestle when they really hate one another rather than just having a match because someone got... You know, side to, I think AJ stood in for someone, didn't he? Um, but it's, you know, coming on to this one, I think it's, uh, I don't remember exactly how it started, but it was definitely something to do with Jericho saying that he wanted to be number one and Shawn Michaels number two or vice versa in the Royal Rumble because Jericho wanted to prove he could go from the start and then he double-crossed Shawn and eliminated him, didn't he? Because Christian came out right. instead. That's, that's how it was. I know, that, I know that's roughly how it started. But the real-life thing of Jericho, you know, wanting to be a bit like Shawn Michaels. And I know they've done that a few times in WWE, was having someone be like, quote, the new Shawn Michaels. You know, John Morrison at one point was that sort of person. And Jeff Hardy, you know, several times was compared to HBK. Um, But certainly the way they told that story with with Jericho was that he wanted to be Shawn. And as you said, just just came up a bit short. Um, But even though he lost, it made Jericho for me. That that really solidified him in, in in a great way. And I think it's the match that most people mentioned um, when we put this on our social media earlier on. I think basically one in three, maybe even a bit more than that, of the people that responded said this match. Um, yeah. I'm, it's not a spoiler necessarily that we're definitely going to put on the list. It's our prerogative to not put it there if we don't want it to. But I think if we put this on the list, I think, it could, I think it's a, a favourite. I think it could win because I think it's people's reaction. Um, it's not to say that you know everybody that uh, responded to the social media is necessarily the voters and vice versa. Sometimes people listen to the points that we put across and, and change their mind. But I think if this was a you know a five minute poll on, on Twitter, I think this I think this would win. Um, it's a very iconic match. It's a very very good one. I am absolutely happy with this being part of the final chat. 
Oh, of course. It, I, I think there's no um, there's no point in pretending otherwise. It's going on the list, isn't it? I think it probably is. But, but, I like the 2008 one better. Interesting. And I As don't personal, disagree. Personal preference, I like the ladder match better. Um, and I'm a bit sometimes reluctant to you know, go down gimmick match boulevard and start thinking everyone's gimmick matches are better because there's one or two others that we're going to come to. But um, this didn't have to be a ladder match. It kind of makes sense as one because it's a bit of a blow off and there's reasons why they would have the ladder match. Jericho quote unquote invented money in the bank. Sure. Michael's you know, made the ladder match famous. And sometimes you just need something to, uh, to be on the line between the two guys to, to blow something off. And the ladder matches, is, is probably as recognised as anything else now. In the old days, you know, it would be a, you know, a cage or, or whatever it might be, because even the, the Hell in the Cell is kind of a wee bit tainted. But if someone has a ladder match, you kind of feel that, um, you know, that, has, that, has, that is shorthand for this is it. Um, and it was just an absolute, it was an absolute beauty. You know, Jericho wins it, um, which is, I won't say, you know, him, Shawn Michaels returning the favour from, 2003, five years on, because, you know, clearly this would be a lot, about a lot more than who wins and who loses. But I thought it was interesting that Jericho ended up kind of, quote, unquote, winning the feud. Not that that's a real thing, but you know what I'm saying by that. The I fact that Shawn Michaels was, was willing to do all that to, to help Jericho on. And, you know, I've spoken to both guys about that, um, about that feud on, on many occasions, and both of them are hugely proud of it. Both of them have always told me that they were intrinsic in putting it together you know that wasn't necessarily written by writers and bookers a lot of it had sean and chris's input they said we'd like to do this we'd like to do this you know, i think a lot more than is typical and um, they were trusted that much but i think clearly each of them wanted to help the other in terms of um their position not sure michael's needed any help but um this was not meant to be a headline feud and that by the time they had their blow-off match it was for the title in the main event you know, you know, and in a ladder match, and that is not where where it was meant to be when it started. But they were so good that the program changed, and the belt got put on Jericho, and it had to be about the title. It didn't need to be about the title, but the WWE decided it was it was worthy of it. And I think that particular match, because they'd won, you know, it's the good old fashioned thing. It's the rubber match. They'd won one each effectively in that little feud. Sean was probably you know two one up overall, but if you include the, the WrestleMania 19 match, but it just had the I would just remember every single week on Raw that it was the best thing about Raw. It's a very, very rare occasion where you would essentially have a, a talking segment on a SummerSlam, you know, that would be so remembered yeah, like, like it is about, about Jericho punching Sean's wife. And, you know, it makes sense. It? But at the time, you're sort of thinking, this is a Raw segment, isn't it? But, you know, it's so important to everything that, you know, it, they didn't think about that for a second. That these, three had, these two had three unbelievable matches in a short space of time but they didn't work on the SummerSlam because the angle was more important. And it was. And they ended up having to blow off on a no mercy, which is in some ways extraordinary. But um, I think or the, the, the feud is almost faultless. And because of that, I think I like the match a little bit better. But that is not to, by any stretch, denigrate the first one, which I think is a beauty. I think ultimately, I think both of these are very, very strong contenders. Yeah, I think, but I think the only thing keeping either one of them off is to institute a rule where you can only have the same match once, and I don't think that's fair. Um, so I'd, I would be surprised if anything knocks these two off. You've said it perfectly. The ladder match was just, it, and 
I loved the fact that it was back to sneaky heel Jericho as well. I loved the fact that the, you had this blood feud that was built on genuine emotion and anger. And ultimately, it was one because Jericho was that bit more sneaky. And, you know, and I, just, I just love that. Both of these guys have very effectively played the good guy and the bad guy very well in their careers. Right. But I can't think of any point in history where this would have made sense as a Jericho babyface Shawn Michaels heel match. Agreed. It, um, they would have made it great, but I can't see it. You know, it had to be Jericho being a bit jealous, you know, which it was both times round. The first time, jealous of Sean's career. The second time, this is when Jericho morphed into the, the honest man, no country for old men gimmick with the suit. This is around that time, isn't it? This is the solidification of, of Jericho to yeah. where he turns heel on Sean and then goes into that gimmick, really. And so, um, you know, it's Jericho... Not playing the the flash Y2J, you know, loon, you know, not loon, but, but playing this new character. But at the same time, the point was still there. It was still jealousy. It was still bitterness at not being recognised for what he should be. And then he felt Sean was a cheat. And again, as Mick Foley eloquently says in one of his books, and lots of other great heels will tell you, that the best heels are the ones that think they have a point, even though the rest of the world can see that they haven't. And that that Jericho character is not trying to dupe Shawn Michaels. He's not trying to use it to get one over him. That character genuinely thinks he's better than Shawn as a man and as a wrestler and wants to prove to the world that he's the honest one and he's the one that we should all be cheering. And that's one of the best heels. The heel that thinks they should be cheered. You know, original Kurt Angle is a great example of that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Why aren't you cheering me? I'm brilliant. Why aren't you cheering me? Actually, 1997 Bret Hart is that character. Um, yeah. I'm the hero. Why aren't you cheering the hero? And that there is a, uh, there's a realism that we can all see. We have all been in a position, not, not heroes in front of 25,000 people in an arena, but we have all been in a position where we've been in the pub and two or three of our mates take up for someone else. And you go, why aren't you agreeing with me? Clearly I'm right. Or maybe that says more about my character than anything else. But, you know, just a, an absolute beauty, and we could talk about it for days, and, and we didn't ought to. So, moving on to other people, like I said, with, with lots and lots and lots of great opponents um, for Jericho, pick me another one and pick me a match. Okie doke. Um, obviously, we're staying in WWE. Um, let's go. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go to another one with a few matches under his belt with one guy. Let's go to Shawn Michaels' DX cohort, Triple H. There's a few examples here, aren't there? Um, yes, very much so. I've got one in particular in terms of one v one, but uh, I've got I've got two. Are... I've got two one on one matches here. I've got the uh, Hell in a Cell in two thousand and two, um, and I've got the oh hang on, have I got two, have I got two or have I got the one? Oh, no, I've got actually. Oh, I have, yeah, I have last two. last man standing in two thousand as well. I knew I had two. Fully, uh, uh, fully loaded. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I have got both of those written down, actually, um, now that you come to mention it. Yeah, Jericho and um, Triple H did have really good, um, really good chemistry. As much out of the ring as, as in, and a lot of it was to do with, with, with Steph. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how these two had a wrestle. Some, for two people, as good as they are, and the chemistry that they had together was as good as it was, these two had a WrestleMania main event, and we barely even think about it. True. Yeah, because it didn't work. The storyline was crap. 
it didn't work with this whole Stephanie McMahon, you know, was Jericho's manager thing. And it was entirely overshadowed by Rock versus Hogan. So um, it doesn't even come into our equation. Um, I'm, I, I put the fully loaded 2000 match down because a lot of people mention it. Uh, several people mentioned it when they responded to us. And again, it's in lots of lists of, of the top matches. I'm, I, I like it, but I'm not crazy about it, mainly because I'm not generally crazy about last man standing matches. Um, and I thought that that played... I, I am a huge Triple H fan overall. I think the Triple H in 2000 is the, one of the greatest heels ever. I think he's the MVP of the year 2000. And there's a lot of contenders. But I, don't, I think it played into some of the things that made people dislike Triple H later on, which was a more plodding style, a more obvious, you know, ref bump, sledgehammer, you know, sort of that, that sort of slower paced match. And this is a good match and there's lots of drama, but I think it, it's the start of that, that Triple H formula that I think that started to turn people off a wee bit. And I sure. think I like the I like the Hell in the Cell match better. I agree, but I wouldn't. I, I think the the match at Fully Loaded is extremely strong. I share your general thoughts. Oh, it's good. Standing, I think it's the best last man standing match. I think it's I think it's the chemistry that these two have got, and the, what I like about them so much in these gimmick matches is that they dial it back. It's really the less is more approach, and they take such an old school mentality, don't they? Like, so when you've got the Hell in a Cell match, you know, these two aren't going to be, you know, jumping, you know, throwing each other off cages and jumping off the sides. It's, it's very, very old school. It's brutal. It's hard hitting. It's the same with the Last Man Standing match. And I think they really appreciated one another. Um, they could do that. They could take that slower pace, that more traditional style of match, because they're both wrestling historians at heart, aren't they? Um, oh yeah. And I think, and I think they, you know, they they looked at themselves and they probably saw, I don't know, Nick Botwinkle or Ric Flair, or Ricky Steamboat, whatever, you know, whichever sort of old icon you want to put in their work rate icon, and they they wanted to emulate those guys, and I think they did a fantastic job. In taking those more modern gimmicks, especially about Hell in a Cell, really, um, and dialing them all the way back. So I, I would agree with you. I said the Hell in a Cell match deserves further consideration, and maybe the Last Man Standing match is, is not as good. Um, and so, therefore, maybe we, we knock that one out of contention. Yeah, personally speaking, I, I think so. Um, I agree with that. That's a really good point about looking to the to the past. I think yeah, Jericho would probably want to consider himself a bit of a combo of. Of Botwinkle and Steamboat and Triple H would probably want to be Harley Race and Ric Flair, and, but it's um, you know they, yeah they certainly would have taken bits from from people um, who were over. That's the main. Um, if there is a knock on the the Hell in the Cell match, sorry, excuse me, <coughs> sorry. If, if there is a knock on the Hell in the Cell match, it's maybe just a little bit past their peak in terms of the the feud again because we're going back. We've got the, the dynamic has changed, isn't it, in terms of the babyface heel? Yeah. I like. I like Jericho, babyface Jericho and heel Triple H more than I do the other way around in that particular feud. Yeah. Um, so that might, you know, give a little bit of a tick to the, to the 2001. I, I think ultimately I'm just not a huge fan of last man standing matches. And so I'm going to be a little bit against that. Um, but I think it's their best two matches. And I think they're very, very worthy of a, of a list such as this. Um, it will go through to the, the, I think both of them we can put to the next level and we can whittle it down if and when we need to. 
I'd like to keep Triple H on board for the time being, but I'd like to add some people to the, I thought to, the equa- to the equation. Um, it's worth talking about three consecutive days in the career of Chris, Chris Jericho, because sometimes one of these matches gets remembered, or a couple, but sometimes not all three. Um, at Judgment Day 2001, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho won a tag team turmoil match. I think that's what it was called. It might have been tag team gauntlet. Um, I forget the exact name of it, but um, I think it's probably the same thing. But they essentially win um, a tag team match involving lots and lots of different teams. You've got, I, I, don't, I don't have the list of everybody, but um, the usual suspects, like the, the, the Dudleys and the Hardys. And, um, but I think um, the Apiary in there, I think, um, I think X Factor in there, as it was at the right, time. Okay. Um, and a few others. They stand out in a really good list of tag teams. Then the, the following night is the famous match on Raw with Jericho uh-huh. and Benoit versus Triple H and, and, and Steve Austin. And then the following night is the taping for a SmackDown that would air later that week where they took part in the third ever TLC match. Indeed. What a week. What are three days of work? Wow. Winning a tag team gauntlet on pay-per-view, winning the tag team titles on Raw, winning a, a TLC match on SmackDown. That's a hell of a week. That, that kind of thing just doesn't happen in any era you know in any era where we've been protecting superstars with squash matches or in the modern era where we throw matches away when has anyone ever had that three matches in three days certainly certainly i can't think of anything in wwe um it was it's just sensational wasn't it and obviously the 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 focus drifts towards the second and third matches the raw and smackdown match Yes, um, but you had to get the turmoil match in to to set the table, didn't you? The, the, con- the, con- the context, yeah. yeah. But um, taking them in in chronological order, the two that are on my list, the Raw match first of all. So you've got you say Austin and Triple H defending their tag titles against Benoit and Chris Jericho. Extraordinary stuff, just absolutely story and you know, testament to the four guys involved: Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What a team they were for such a short amount of time. There was something that I can't really remember seeing before in, um, in WWE. There were two main event heels come together to basically t- say to everybody else, you cannot beat us. When we're together, you cannot beat us. We are Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're Triple H. What are you going to do? We've got the tag team titles. And they were just, they were just absolutely sensational. So it would you know to to beat those guys clean it did so much for the careers of both chris jericho and chris benoit like in, like just an incredible amount and obviously it was slightly marred by triple h's injury towards the end which prevented a follow up um which i suspect may well have come on the following smackdown actually the next day um but the match itself was just unreal wasn't it the heat the, the effort that the four guys were, because, you know, Austin ran about that time, but, you know, Steve Austin's 2001 is such an underrated period in his career in terms of quality matches. The guy absolutely put his working boots on. In particular, around that time, he took on Jericho on Raw and Benoit on SmackDown and a couple of episodes that were back-to-back in Canada. And it was just like we'd never seen Austin before in WWE. And this match was the same level. 
all four guys at their absolute peak, telling a wonderful story with the crowd absolutely desperate for the two Canadians to win. And they did. Um, to me, it's, it's a real strong contender for this list. And if we were doing a top five Raw matches of all time, which no doubt we will at some point, this, this conversation gets repeated because it's, it's so, so good. So, and, and you know, my, I've, got a, I, I've got a soft spot for tag team wrestling anyway. I, I do prefer a good tag team match to a good singles match. And this is so up there with one of the best ever for me. It's just sensational. Uh, I don't share that love. I'm not a big tag team guy, but I absolutely adore this match. And I sort of think in my head, um, and again, this is a, this is actually not a match I've watched lots and lots of times. I have to say, there's certain matches that I like. For example, we just talked about the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 19 match. I have seen that um, so many times <laughs> because <laughs> I like it. And there's lots of other matches in my life that I've watched so many times. I don't feel like, I, it's probably because it's not a pay-per-view. You know, I go back and watch old pay-per-views rather than watch old Raws. Um, but that's why I don't feel like I've watched this as many times but in my head this almost feels like this might be a strange description and I don't mean it don't take it literally but it almost feels to me like a fatal four-way match but with two teams do you know what I mean by that? It, because they're not necessarily teams it's not Edge and Christian versus the Hardy I know what you mean it feels like four guys are having a match to see who can win and any of the four can win but two of them happen to be on one side and two of them happen to be on the other. Just, I, I'm not sure I'm putting that in the right fashion, but it doesn't feel like a tag team match in its regular sense um, because of the fact that, you know, all four of them basically didn't, not a single one of them liked any of the other three, really. You know, they're both marriages of convenience. You know, Jericho True. and Benoit sort of come together out of a sort of respect and, Jericho, and Triple H and Austin come together out of a sort of respect. You know, only <laughs> within six months of that, Triple H was... <laughs> hiring people to run Steve Austin over or at least copping to it it hadn't happened a long time before that um, but this is just a beauty and, and the, the emotion I'm not going to, you know, I was going to say raw emotion but you know what I mean um, is fantastic and the reaction that everything got, talk about four guys being over and the beauty of a, you know, exactly what you just said about the two men that were known as the two man power trip um it doesn't feel like anyone else uh, had dominated like that. And it doesn't feel like, um, you know, that that would necessarily happen again. But it, also at the time, if you think about it, bearing in mind how respected both of them would be, it felt like the crowd felt that no one could topple these two guys. It reminds right. me a little bit of when, uh, one, you know, when you started to get the first slightly bigger wins for WCW against the NWO where there was, every now and again, there was this slight, oh, actually, Diamond Dallas Page beat so-and-so. And every now and again, a WCW guy would beat an NWO guy. And the spell was sort of broken. I remember there's one commentary, it might be for a Sting title win or a Luger title win, where Tony Schiavone, who I'm not a big fan of necessarily as a, as a commentator, but shouts, this is our night. And like WCW had a night where they, they actually did something. And um, I feel like this was the, you know, a breakthrough for the WWE against... This two-man power trip, Jericho and Benoit were clearly the, the fan favourites and we wanted someone to knock down these two. It was almost impossible to beat them, but Jericho and Benoit did it. It will be as, as big a reaction as you'll ever get for a tag team title switch, um, especially considering these two aren't really proper teams, if you, um, if you pardon you know, that, that slightly general expression. I think it's a, it's a wonderful match. And it, it's ever so slightly, um, I'm doing your, your thing of making words up now, but mythologised, is that a word? Um, 
because of the fact that Triple H was injured. Um, and we all remember the, the, the torn quad and him carrying on and, and that being the impetus for him to be out for a long time. So that makes it, leave, that makes it a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a starry-eyed memory because it's been told so many times because when Triple H obviously came, comes back the following year at the Rumble and, and that, funnily enough, leads into Triple H and Jericho again, but with the, uh, the other way around. Um, moving on to the other match that week, the funny thing is, is that what people don't necessarily realise is Benoit got injured that week as well. Ben, Benoit got hurt in the TLC match. He actually mm-hmm. carried on for a short amount of time. But do you remember he was away? Because Benoit missed, if you think about Benoit missed the, um, missed the, um, the invasion. Like, it's always remembered that Triple H missed the invasion. But he did. When did you, Benoit did nothing in the invasion. Benoit was injured. He had neck surgery. And he got injured in that TLC match, but he sort of carried on wounded for a couple of months, then had neck surgery and was out for a year. Wow. Um, so that week, the WWE, it, it might have been fun having these three massive matches, you know, in a week, but it took its toll because the WWE lost Triple H for eight months or so and, and Benoit for about a year. So um, it certainly took its toll. But I remember that SmackDown as being one of the greatest television wrestling shows I've ever seen. Um, the WWE was really hot at the time. I remember there being some good other, good other matches on the show, some bits of comedy, fun comedy involving Al Snow and Steve Blackman, or maybe the... Um, Maybe it was uh, too cool in there as well. I just remember there being some fun stuff, some good action, and then this extraordinary main event, which it gets forgotten because it's not a pay-per-view, but it's an absolutely wonderful main event. So it is a TLC match, which I think is as good as the other opening TLC matches. It's, it's maybe not as fresh because the other three teams, which if, if we haven't explained fully, it was the three teams um, that were generally involved in the TLC matches. So it was the Hardys, the Dudleys and, and Edge and Christian, but also against Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. Um, so perhaps it doesn't feel as fresh because those three other guys had already done two of those matches plus ladder matches before that. But I think it's an absolute beauty and, and I think it definitely deserves a, deserves a chat, if nothing else. I will confess, I haven't watched this match for a long time. I remember adoring it when I've watched it. Um... But it does. It, I, I'm I'm as guilty as anyone of putting it in the shadow of the two TLC matches that came before it, when when it really was something very special. Um, and I think it was a different vibe, wasn't it? It was about Jericho, you know, Jericho and Benoit beating the two-man power trip. It's like, right, what can we put in their way now? Right, let's put them in a TLC match with the three masses of the TLC. They'll never get out of that one. And it really was like, you know, rubber stamping their ascension to the main event i guess so like you said earlier it was their week wasn't it this was the week that that made those two guys and um and i think the match if you're into that sort of match not everybody is to be fair it's not everyone's cup of tea um but i think if that was your type of match then what just look at the eight guys in the ring just look at the caliber of those eight wrestlers in the ring and tell me that Tell me that it could possibly be anything else but a classic match. And obviously it wasn't. It was sensational. So um, it's going to struggle to make the five, but I'd like to at least give it a shot. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I do, I do think there's probably going to be enough. I think, it's a, I think ultimately it's a top 10, but not top five contender. I think so. Um, but we, we shall see. Um, should we go to Benoit? We've, we've, we've talked about um, yep, Jericho and Triple H, and that's morphed into this match. I think we ought to talk about Benoit. Um, obviously, usual caveats, folks. We know what went on. Uh, we know what happened. Nothing's condoned. Nothing's glossed over. 
Um, but we are talking about the history of wrestling matches. We're not talking about people's pasts and all that kind of stuff. So you might not get this level of chat about Benoit on a WWE documentary if they ever steal our idea and do it on the network, which they probably will one day. Um, we'll see if we can, you know, ask for a, a small royalty fee. But they're not going to cover um, Benoit, clearly. Um, but we can. And like I say, usual caveats. Um, I think... Benoit is the ex- biggest example of Christian. This might, I certainly think that if if I was ranking my favourite Jericho opponents after Shawn Michaels, I think Benoit would come in at two. Mm-hmm. But I think they had. It's almost like I feel like they had twenty really, really, really good matches without having too many absolutely up on the top matches. But if I've got to pick one, I go the ladder match at the Rumble. What do you think? I, I would absolutely agree with you. I, I think this is one of my all-time favourite ladder matches. Um, I remember watching it at the time, and I've watched it several times since. It was at that period, at that point in time, and there was a definite lull in what, what ladder matches represented. Tag team ladder matches had become the thing. Um, you know, again, the Hardys, Edge and Christian... And to an extent, at that point, the Dudleys setting the stage. And the one-on-one ladder match had almost come a little bit passe. I suppose there wasn't much more that could be done that could top the teams. Well, these guys did. Um, It was was absolutely classic intercontinental title fodder, wasn't it? You can imagine Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart looking at this match. He was supposed to do the first ladder match in um, WWE for the intercontinental title. You can imagine them both nodding on approvingly at this one. Um, some of the spots were magnificent. I still remember the, you know, again, it's important to put these in the context of what came a few years later. Um, but taking it out of that context and thinking about what it was like at the time, you know, seeing things like the um, the walls of Jericho on, on the top of the ladder and seeing, you know, Chris Benoit diving out of the ring and into the chair and it was all new stuff. It was all stuff that had been innovated by these two and they were just absolute masters of their craft um, putting on a, mat, a work rate match in a modern style for the work rate belt. I just, I just loved and adored everything about this match. I do from a very selfish perspective remember tipping. I, I, I even had a wrestling column even way back in 2001. Um, and I remember tipping in my column that at some point Jericho would do the walls of Jericho on the ladder and thought I was a genius, the fact that he actually did it. <laughs> I, now look back and, I now look back and think, it's pretty bloody obvious that he would do that, isn't it? Um, but uh, I remember being very uh, happy about that at the time. To me, Jericho's early career in, in WWE starts with wrestling Benoit. I don't think we're going to suggest there's going to be any Jericho versus China matches in this, you know, or Jericho China versus Hardcore Holly or anything like that. I feel like as soon as he starts wrestling Benoit, then we're off. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's the uh, that's 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 his career started in two thousand, probably two thousand, isn't it? By then, um, and I think Jericho's career started the day you know started wrestling Chris Benoit in WWE, really. Um, and like I say, I, I absolutely would have him down as in the top two or three as his best opponent. But it was just it was the kind of it was the go-to, wasn't it? If you just ever needed a good match, you could just do just do Jericho versus Benoit and you know that you're going to get you know a certain level of um, quality about it in a, in a possibly in a similar way that a few years later you almost think a similar thing about Punk and Cena 
you ever need a match, just put Punk and Cena on and you know it'll bring the house down. And True. Um, uh, those two, just amazing. And I, yeah, I think that ladder match must, must go on to the, uh, the next level. You might have a different theory to me, though. I, I don't have another um, Jericho Benoit match that I think is on that level. I know we've already talked about the match in, in 1995 in, in, um, in Japan. Um, but uh, do you have a, a different one, another one from any other time? No, mate, I don't, actually. I think that's a really fair shout. Um, we've, we've covered the tag matches. That's their standout singles match. I think that's, that's, that kicks the, uh, kicks the proverbial arse out of the Benoit stuff, I think. I think it's probably the right time to, to run, run through a few, like we, we tend to do on this, which is a, there'll be plenty of ones that we feel that will warrant a mention. There'll probably be someone listening at home going, why don't they talk about this one? I think this would probably be an opportunity to go through two or three of yours that you've got written down, but you know that realistically they're not really in this sort of league. What have you got for me? Well, not many, actually, um, on this one, because a lot of them are in this sort of league. But if I'm looking at the remainder of my list, I think there's probably four or five that I stick in this list. So we'll bash through them quick. Um, WrestleMania 26 against Edge. Yeah, OK, I agree with that. It's, a, it's fine. Really good match, but I do think that the setting for the match gave it a little bit of an artificial bump. Um, and Edge's comeback, I don't, it was a good match, but it wasn't as good as it felt, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It shouldn't matter. No, I, 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 I totally agree with you. It shouldn't be there. Um, SummerSlam 2005 against John Cena. Um, just after Cena had become champion, John, uh, Jericho was really the first sort of consistent challenger um, after he got rid of Bradshaw. And I think the SummerSlam match was the night before Jericho took his first sabbatical. Uh, or started his first sabbatical from WWE and I thought it was a wonderful little match but the standard is extremely high and yeah. uh, it's not it's not touching that um, another one I would look at is going back to the TLC thing um, I was actually in WWE New York watching this one as it went out on Raw um, it was the TLC match on Raw in 2002 where you had um, you had four teams. You had Chris Jericho and Christian. So basically, it was the three original TLC teams kept one partner and changed another. So it was um, Christian and Jericho instead of Edge. It was Bubba Ray Dudley and Spike Dudley. And it was Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam were the three teams. And then it was supposed to be the champions, Kane and the Hurricane, but it was just Kane. Um, excellent, excellent TLC match. Another one that's probably forgotten because it's not on pay-per-view but I mark this down in this conversation because it's not about Jericho it's it's an ensemble it's it's about making Kane look fantastic um Jericho's a, a very much a role player in this so I'm, I can't really give it any further consideration okay if I may because I'd like to just take that down a little side road a little cul-de-sac here because I've got a couple sure. of similar matches to that um right. that I'm not necessarily pushing forward I just want to mention the fact that Jericho was, you know, whatever story you believe, whether he was actually the person that came up with Money in the Bank or whether it was a storyline or whatever, but he is intrinsically linked with the start of Money in the Bank and he's in several of those that are excellent in the early days. Again, not necessarily about him, so um, probably not for this list, but he is involved in several great um, early uh, Money in the Bank matches. He's in the Elimination Chamber that Shawn Michaels won to win his first world title after his hiatus. He is. Um, and he's also in the Elimination Chamber. And then this is much more about Jericho, where Shawn Michaels essentially gave Jericho the title. Do you remember that? 
when Shawn Michaels popped through the bottom of the chamber, super kicked Taker, and Jericho wins. Now, I'm probably not in a position where I'm thinking that we definitely, definitely put this through. Because again, because we've established that the standard is so high, and I don't think it would win in, on the poll. But this could have an argument for it because it's an it's an exceptional um, chamber match. Well, it was a good chamber match, but it's an exceptional ending with Jericho and Taker, and then the Shawn Michaels interference and it makes it memorable. I actually think it's comparable to. Do you remember the the Royal Rumble that Undertaker won? That almost finished with a little mini match with, do, with, yes. with Sean and Take. Of course, you remember what am I saying? But you know, you know what I mean. That's not, this is a, a similar sort of chamber in the sense that it was really getting down because it was only going to be Jericho or, or, or Take that's going to win, and we got down to Jericho or Take, and then the Shawn Michaels interference that people were kind of expecting. Great match, great um, entertainment, great work, great angle. I think it's a, a real, a massive, massive thumbs up for me on that on that particular match. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's. Um, I think it's. I think it's a brilliant. I think it's interesting you mentioned the two elimination chamber matches because I, I love the first one, but I, again, similarly would discount it because Jericho was just a very small part of it. Like you say, he was such a big part of the finish and obviously the winner in that one. Um, I didn't maybe love the match as much as some, um, but it. But it obviously it was a very high quality match, but I. I just struggle. I just struggle to. To qualify it, really, I look at the list we've already put together and there's two more I want to talk about as well that I think are just head and shoulders above it. So it's not one that's tickling my fancy. No, not, not, for, not for me either. Not for me either. But I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to... I feel that some people wouldn't have thought about it. So it felt like sure. I had to uh, cover that. A few other opponents. I've got a couple of other opponents written down and people I always thought that Jericho worked well with, but I haven't got a particular match in mind. I like seeing Jericho work with Christian, um, both as a tag team and as, a, as an opponent, although I don't think the Jericho-Christian WrestleMania match is anywhere near the level of a lot of the other Jericho-Mania matches. Um, I liked Jericho working with RVD, funnily enough. I always thought they had a good little um, yeah. chemistry. I think they worked a, a hardcore match against each other on a pay-per-view, I think, at some point. But uh, again, I don't remember the specific details. I don't have that written down. And I've written Cena. I hadn't written the specific match that you mentioned about SummerSlam, but I always liked Jericho working with Cena. I always thought that was a... Um, a good combo. I seem to remember that Jericho's uh, Cena's first pay-per-view was against Jericho. Um, so I always thought those two worked well together. And two other things which are clearly, they are matches and they're clearly not ever going to make this list. But I think they're historically important. Um, one is that Jericho had Daniel Bryan's first match uh, in NXT. Um, yeah. And it was something that Jericho apparently specifically requested and he was part of the NXT because he was mentoring Barrett. Um, and then they had this sort of nine or ten minute maybe not even as long as that, little mini classic on NXT where these two absolute legends in their different fields for different reasons had a, just a little fight on NXT. And I don't think Vince even gave a shit about NXT. He probably didn't even know it was happening. And it was a little diamond of a thing. But it felt like, the, well, maybe perhaps it felt like the first time Jericho really felt like a veteran. And it was almost like, okay, then, Danielson, if you're really what people say you are, let's see how we get on. And then, you know, until Jericho did the sort of, the established veteran bit and had a fight with him and, and I think gave him the thumbs up and not that they necessarily needed Jericho's thumbs up but I think that's a historically important Jericho match and I think it's uh, worth a, a fleeting mention and the other one which is a, a sort of little personal favourite of mine because of the, the it's the occasion rather than the match but first of all the, the Jericho versus the legends from WrestleMania 25 that then led to I think it was Backlash which was the next pay-per-view 
where he had a one-on-one match with, with Ricky Steamboat. And the fact that, you know, 55-year-old, whoever he was at that age, Ricky, at that stage, Ricky Steamboat, you know, I think surprised himself by how good he was with Jericho at Mania. And they had such a wonderful chemistry that they went to a, a tag match the following night on Raw and then another match at Backlash. I just thought that was, it's a wonderful memory of mine. I happened to be at WrestleMania 25 and at the Raw the following night. It's, and I saw Ricky Stimo get inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it's, it's special to me, but I suspect that that's kind of special to, to Chris. I think if he was doing his own top five or ten matches in terms of the ones that he enjoyed, not necessarily the best match as a viewer, but the ones he enjoyed, I would expect that Steamboat would be very high on his list. I Not necessarily right. five-star match, but I think it would be very, very important to Chris. I think you are absolutely right on that one, Dan. The one—it was a wonderful little match, wasn't it? And such a surprise. You know, you've mentioned why already, so I won't repeat it. But it might not be the best Jericho match, and it's clearly not. But there's definitely a conversation to say it's the most fun. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, is that the best action is the their action at WrestleMania, but that's clearly no nowhere near the best match because you know. Piper, Piper was that was it was it Piper and Snooker? Uh, Piper, yeah, Piper Snooker and there was three of them. Wasn't Flair, there? And no, well, yeah, Flair, Flair had retired. Oh, Flair Steve was in the corner. Yeah. Sorry, Flair yeah, was in the course. corner, and then Flair was in that corner, and then there's the Mickey Rourke stuff at the end. Yeah, 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 of course. But yeah, but the the action with the other two was awful. You know, Snooker was old and Piper was out of shape and. You know, it was a bit embarrassing, but then Steamboat just came in, and maybe he looked better because the other two had looked terrible. But it was like, man alive, rookie Steamboat! That's the first time I ever heard that you still got it, Charm. <laughs> and right, it's okay. probably it's probably it's probably never made more sense than on that. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, you're fifty and you're fifty-five and you've still got it. We haven't seen you for twenty years and you're still amazing. Anyway, we don't want to spend too much time on that because it's it's not going to be on on the list. Uh, how many have I got left? I have got five all with question marks on. Um, but before I get to those, I want to mention the famous Vengeance un- um, undisputed title win, Rock and Austin in the same night, which is obviously a massively important night for Jericho. Again, if we're talking his favourites, the first time he wins an undisputed title is clearly going to be down there. But I don't think either of those matches are on their own, standalone don't take too much of the context into contention. I don't think they're really on the list as far as the actual match goes. What do you think? Am I being harsh? Um, marginally, I think. I don't think I'd give you too much argument. The, the Austin match is neither here nor there. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, and it's more angled. You remember there's all sorts of interference all the way through. It's more angled than match. But the Rock match was pretty damn good. Um, they had a lot of chemistry and a number of matches around that, around that time. Um, between late 2001 through to early 2002 they had at least three or four matches on pay-per-view and they were of a very high standard and a very very strong level of chemistry um, but that one in particular wasn't wasn't the best no, I was hoping it would instigate the the chat that it has I have two Jericho Rock matches down uh, to talk about again my personal favourite is probably not the people's personal favourite I get the feeling that most people would say No Mercy 2001 I marginally prefer the Royal Rumble from 2002 um, but I don't feel that they're at the level of the Shawn Michaels matches and the Chris Benoit matches and you know the whatever I just don't think they're quite there but there was something absolutely electric between The Rock and Jericho obviously people remember the debut 
and there were you know interactions in the early days but around about this time Jericho sort of almost it's almost like he grew a pair a little bit and I remember there was one promo when the rock started to do his belittling thing and Jericho just went no as if it's a guy I'm not going to be spoken yeah. to like this anymore um, and I liked that because it always felt like well okay you might be champion but you're not on the rocks level and I felt that you know, they did have matches that made it feel um, you know it was probably very again these matches were probably very important to Chris's career to feel um, respected you know we're, we're talking about a lot of matches where you know Jericho is building we're not doing it linear obviously but he's building his uh, persona and, and the belief in people's eyes because there is Quite frankly, you know, however good you are, there is a belief in the audience's eyes that you are on whatever level. And by having matches where he takes Shawn Michaels close or he takes The Rock close or whoever it might be, he gets accepted onto a different sort of level each time, doesn't he? And I I think those matches with The Rock, I think they did a lot for him because clearly, you know, The Rock was, he was The Rock, wasn't he? He was. And I think that it worked well for both of them. Uh, Obviously, Jericho was just trying to think what he was doing. What was he doing earlier in 2001? He was having matches on SummerSlam against Rhino and things like that, wasn't he? So he, he, wasn't, he wasn't anywhere close to tippy-top. And then this feud with Rock just sort of came organically just before the invasion ended and um, turned heel again, for one. And I just think, it, it, as you say, it made him a main eventer. Coming out of the invasion, you, there's a very strong case to say that he progressed further than anybody else during that invasion period like because it started kind of with those two matches we were talking about earlier on Raw and it ended um, around these around these matches with Rock and I I prefer the No Mercy match Um, again there's not a huge amount in it but I do think the No Mercy is a bit more of an epic match and the Rumble is a bit more sort of story based I guess brilliantly done but I I do prefer No Mercy Um, I think if, you, if you're trying to claim this is one of Jericho's top five matches, it's going to be close, but I'm not sure it gets there. But it's definitely one of The Rock's top five matches. Yeah, I was just thinking that, actually. One day, I've got it written down on our list of things to do at some point, is to do The Rock's best matches. So um, yeah. I definitely, I just, I think undoubtedly, I'll maybe just clip this up and we can just play it again rather than uh, talking about it one more time. Pen, yeah, yeah absolutely. Be... Pencil, pencil this one. I mean, very, very, very... Uh, thick lead um, because that, that's clearly going to be in there I would, lo- I would like to carry them both forward to the next round of consideration but I don't think they'll get any further well we can do that and we can, and we can, we can see how we go um, I've got three left how about you? Uh, just the one actually So, oh, well let's do your start. one because I think I know what your one's going to be uh, and so I'll then, cause I'll then come through with the other two but I think I think I know what your one's going to be. Go on. What's, what's it going to be? I think you're going to say Rey Mysterio. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Uh, the Bash 2009. The mask versus Brilliant. title match. Just, just great. And a, and, a, and a great mid-card feud. A great mid-card feud. Probably the last truly great intercontinental title feud. Um, yeah, just, just, just wonderful, wonderful role-playing by both guys. Jericho playing the bully, Ray playing the, 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 the strong heroic character that's not going to be out, outsmarted or outfought. He's going to stand his ground against this Weasley. But it's a different type of Weasley, he'll actually thinking about it, to Jericho's earlier career when he did the same thing. Because by now, he's got the 
he's got the main event experience under his belt. So although he's whiny and cheaty, he's at, he can actually back it up in the ring. So he's a very strong, which is it is post um, Shawn Michaels character. So he's right in that field, and it's just it's just wonderful, wonderful storytelling, incredible match. Both guys winding back the clock to where they were, you know, four or five years earlier when they were at their absolute pomp in the ring. Just love it. Just absolutely love it. It feels so pure. Such a pure wrestling match. You feel like this is... Because uh, this, this is off the back of Steamboat, basically. This is the next thing. Because this is 2009. So this is after WrestleMania. So this is what he went to. And you almost feel that you look at that sort of era and they've gone, right, what are we doing with... What we're doing with Randy and what we're doing with Triple H and what we're doing with Steena and what we're doing with Edge and uh, they've sorted out their, their their top tier and they've they've worked with that and then they've gone, Oh, not getting anything for Jericho and Mysterio. Sit them together, it'll be fine. Like do you know it doesn't feel like this a, this was a preordained plan to no. get to these two during that summer, but they were the odd men out. Put them together, they'll do something. And they did. And it was <laughs> it was magic. And it's like because they probably wrestled each other. It'd be interesting to see, actually. I'd like to talk to Chris and say, who do you think you wrestled the most times in your career? Um, because I would say Mysterio would be up there in terms mm, of the people. Because so. they probably would have faced, you know, they may have faced in, in Mexico. They may have faced in ECW. They would probably faced in WCW. I might have some of my times off. But they, they might have wrestled in four or five different, different companies. Yeah, um, you're right. It's got to be up there. They, they could have they overlapped a lot. And they certainly always, always did something well together. They're two... Again, I don't have a, a great love for Rey Mysterio, but I've got a huge respect for him. Um, and again, I just think he's one of those, you can't find a bad Rey Mysterio match. You know, they don't really exist. I'm not convinced any absolute five-star ones do either, but talk about an absolute three or four-star machine. You very rarely get anything bad out of Rey Mysterio. And the similar, similar with Jericho, on a, I think Jericho's better, but you know, you, you're never, ever, ever going to have a, a bad match between those two, are you? It's nope. just, it's almost, yeah. it's impossible. They could, even if they tried to have a bad match, it would be, um, uh, it would be all right. And I think Rey Mysterio is probably in his, I don't know, his prime necessarily physically, but I like Rey Mysterio from this era a lot more than almost any other era. I feel that he'd he sort of settled into being established and a genuine main eventer. And uh, when was the, when was the Rey Mysterio CM Punk stuff? Um... Around about the same time, I guess. It's not a million miles away, is it? I love that. No. The, um, the, the, it was very the good. CM, the CM Punk Straight Edge Society um, stuff with uh, Ray Mysterio, I thought was amazing. Um, singing, singing happy birthday to Buddy Murphy's girlfriend. To Buddy, is Buddy, Buddy Murphy, what, to um, Aaliyah, his daughter? Yeah. Story like that. Buddy Murphy? On screen. Oh, okay. Right. I thought you meant in real life. I didn't know that. No. Well, could have, could have been. They, they might be. Good luck to them. But um, <clears throat> no, I knew it was. I, but she was a very, very good actor when she was uh, when she was young doing that uh, doing that angle. She was very believable. She was <laughs> she actually a better actor than her brother, who's turned yeah. into a pretty damn good wrestler now. Um, but anyway, a, another point. Um, yes, I think this is the. I think this is an absolute beauty. I think because it's not a main event people might not be you know, keen to vote for it. I think it's, it's not one that people would necessarily think of unless they're a big Jericho fan, a big Rey Mysterio fan, um, or they have a really encyclopedic knowledge. Do you know what I mean? I think it's not necessarily I one do. that comes to your mind 
unless you have a particular fondness for it. It's, um, it is, I, I am almost loath to use the term, but it, it is an underappreciated match, simply no, because, it's it not, because it's not got that pedestal that a lot of these have. But it's, in, in so it, all the ingredients, match and feud, are there to put it right up at the top. Let's have a look and see, see what the main event was. What would you, oh, okay. Do you, do you know what the main event was of that, uh, of that show? Um, I'm going to take an absolute stab in the dark. So that's 2009. Let's go Undertaker against Edge. Oh, hang on a minute. I might be on the wrong thing here. Oh, let's, let's not waste time over that because I, might, I, might, I think I've got the, uh, I might be on the wrong page. So we'll, we'll ignore that for the time being. But um, uh, it's a bit of a confusing web page, quite frankly. But it's, it feels like it would have got, it's, it's been lost in the shuffle, doesn't it? It feels like it's a, uh, you know, and, and at the time, you know, not, uh, not anything significant. I don't think it changed history. No. You know, it might have changed the belt or it might have had a thing with the mask or whatever, but it's not an absolute earth shattering match. And, and it sounds like a big deal, but some of these matches that we're talking about are on that level. You know, Jericho wrestling the rock and, and taking him, you know, to somewhere and losing to Shawn Michaels and then how that ended up going. And, you know, the, the, the Triple H tearing his quad match. These are actual changing the landscape matches, you know. So and I, I don't think we can necessarily say that this match against Ray is, uh, is on that level at all. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, OK, let's go to two. I've got, I've got two more left. Go on, then. And they, are with the, and they are with the same person. I am aware that you're not as big a fan of one of these matches as I am. So I feel that this might be a little bit futile. But I have the matches that Chris Jericho had against CM Punk at WrestleMania 28 and at Payback 2013. Um, do you recall those matches? I do indeed. Um, I think they're both absolutely fantastic. Um, it's partly because I appreciate that I am a big fan of both of those um, wrestlers, as I'm sure most people listening are. I feel that the match with Punk at Mania just doesn't get the credit it deserves. It feels like it's, you can take this two different ways, right? You can say that it was expected to be so good that it was a letdown. But because it's been framed as a letdown, when you actually go back and watch it, you go, it's fantastic. But the expectations were that it was essentially going to be the greatest match of all time. It's a little bit like AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura from WrestleMania, although I genuinely don't think that you know, reached the standards it should have done. It certainly wasn't as good as their Wrestle Kingdom match. But I actually think Jericho Punk is really, really good. And, and I think it deserves a little bit, you know, I think it, I have a feeling, I might have got you wrong, I might have judged you wrong, but I feel that like you're going to go, nah, not, not great. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a cracker. I think you're. I think you're right. I don't absolutely. Um, I don't put these two on a massive pedestal. I think the problem is me. I think my expectations for these two going in were so ludicrously high that, in hindsight, they couldn't. They couldn't have met. Um, it was. Just, I, I was. I was expecting the greatest match of all time. Remember how how hot the feud was. Um, and how personal the feud felt, and especially at WrestleMania when the stage was so massive, and Punk probably, probably at his best. Um, 
mate, I, I just thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. And, and, and I didn't think they were, but like I say, what I, what I won't do on this one is I won't fight you too hard on them. Cause I think your opinion is probably more valid than mine. Because I think if I went back and watched them now, and I haven't watched them since they were, since they were out on the events, and even watched, went to watch them now, I think I'd have a newfound appreciation for them. Okay, well, I mean, it's nice of you to 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 say it in such a way. Um, I don't certainly don't think my opinion has any more um, stock than yours necessarily. But I, I see what you're saying in terms of me having a opinion about <clears throat> about this match. This I think your view on it is probably more balanced than mine. Okay, um, I can see that. I also want to mention the, the secondary match. Um, well, if you want to call it that. Because I might have my years wrong, actually. It was maybe I've got, I've got written down that it was 2013. Is that right? Payback 2013. Um, but it's essentially, the, the other match is when you flip the switch. So um, you're the other way around, and it's, it's CM Punk as a Paul Heyman guy. Against Chris Jericho, I'm, yep. I'm not absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm slightly doubting my timelines here. That would have been um, right. That would have been thirteen, definitely. Okay, what year was the, what year was the Mania match? It was the Mania match. Twenty twelve. Is that twenty twelve? Right. Okay, that's yeah. uh, that's why I'm getting a bit confused. I'm, in my head, they're both twenty thirteen, and I'm like, that can't be right. They can't be the uh, the same year. No, twenty thirteen. Punk took on Undertaker at WrestleMania. This is after taking. That's what I was. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's the, but it's with it's with Punk, you know, being a, a Heyman guy, and I I, I just I liked the I liked the, the the fact that they could they could turn it round. Obviously, Jericho's bitterness at the best in the world thing, which I think is a flimsy reason for for the for the match at WrestleMania. That might be one of the issues about the Mania one. Maybe the reason is a bit flimsy. Um, but when it went the other way around, I I kind of I. Because punk is so beloved by a certain section of fans, I always think it's it's a little bit forgotten that the punk Heyman stuff was, I think, absolutely gold. And then it set up beautifully for when punk turned and then beat the shit out of Heyman on top of themselves. You remember? Um, yeah, I do. So I'm just a, I'm just such a fan of the that combination. I think that the match was again. It goes back to something I said earlier on: is that probably one of the downfalls of these two matches is there probably wasn't a lot of jeopardy that Punk wouldn't win. Do you know what I mean? I think Jericho was clearly not really going to win at WrestleMania. It was, it was to help Punk solidify himself and then flip the switch, you know, a year later, Jericho was going to go away again and, and, and Punk was going to beat him and, and again to establish himself. I think it was always Jericho helping out his mate that it was an actual, you know, fair fight, as it were. If you, if you see what I'm saying, Punk was always going to win those, those matches, I suppose, wasn't he? I see what you're saying, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I just—I I suppose I just can't muster any massive enthusiasm for them, if I'm honest. But I—I I suspect, like I say, I think—I think certainly let's take one of them forward. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, okay, I, I, of the two, of the two, the WrestleMania one is again. I probably have a slight preference for the second one, but I think if I was pitching for these, if I was the agent for these matches, I would say that the. the the WrestleMania one is more likely to get a vote. So um, I'd be more tempted to take that one through to, to face the people, but I'm not convinced it will, um, it will reach the five when we, when we ultimately come down to it. I'm basically done in terms of um, individual matches, just a couple of very, very quick points uh, on people that we've not said a match of. No Jericho 
Angle match, no Jericho Austin match to speak of. And it's a bit of a surprise when you think about it that there isn't one on that level that you would, um, you would actually go to. Yeah, two fair points. I did mention the Jericho Angle match from Raw in 2001, which was very, very good. And maybe should have given it more consideration, but I don't think it would have got any further anyway. And yeah, you're right about Jericho Angle. That just feels weird. But I, as a big Angle fan, I still I just can't remember any. Not any that stand out. We haven't talked about the triple threat with Benoit and Angle, um, which was a great match and fun. But I don't think against not on the. No, it's one of the one of the better triple threat matches that's higher profile. But uh, I don't think it's uh, tippy top as far as a lot of these things are. Man alive, it's a good list. It's a good a lot of um, matches it, that we've gone through. It it's it's fabulous. You know, kudos to Jericho. What a career. Um, what an absolutely testament to how hard he worked and grafted and kept his head down. What a great body of work. And um, the difficult thing now is to is to narrow it down to uh, to five choices. I have to say, I'm quite keen on four. And I, if you share that agreement, we might be able to do the top, do four quite easily and then come up with a fifth. Go on then. So I tell you those four? Yeah. I think HBK at Mania 19. Yeah. HBK at No Mercy 2008. These are in mm-hmm. no particular order. The tag team match with Benoit against Austin and Triple H. And the match against Omega in New Japan. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm very keen on those four. First, firstly, the, the top three, yes, no question about it. I think, I think the first three are, are no-brainers. I'd maybe question the Omega-Jericho match. Um, but that's just me. That's just okay. me. Um, let's, the first let's, three are in. Are let's they? look. I I think unquestionably. I don't think I don't think anyone would argue with that. And I think it look, would be ridiculous. In fact, if we didn't put any of those in, but let's so let's let's pet, let's let's ink those in, um, and look at what we've got left, shall we? Okay. So we've got. I haven't been making very very good notes here, but we've got we've got the Triple H matches essentially. How we, how we judge those? We've got the Rock I think, matches. I think I think I think we can ditch the Triple H matches. Yeah, I don't think they're quite on that level, are they? Not quite. Very close. No. Yeah, yeah. But not quite. Um, how do you feel about Mysterio? You know, we've just talked about it. It's one of the more mm. recent ones we talked about. I actually want to keep that in for just for now. Okay. I feel like it's it, the importance level of that match is going to be against it, ultimately, as much as I, I like think, it. I think you're right. I think it's not... It's not going it's, to, it's, let's be honest, it's not going to make the five, but I, maybe I'm just being precious because I don't want to eliminate it right now, but it's pointless being silly about it. So, yeah, that's fine. Let's get rid. We actually then start to do the similar sort of thing with a lot of them because if, we, if, we, if, if we've binned off the Triple H matches and we've binned off the Mysterio matches, I'm sounding harsh by saying this, but you know what I mean. You don't share the same excitement as me for the punk one, so they have to go as well because you're not on, the, you're not, you're not on that level with, that, with me. Sure. I don't think we can have any of the WCW matches as good as the Malenko thing was. I don't think we can put in a seven-minute match against Malenko after a battle royal compared okay. to some of these some of these other things. Um, the TLC match you said doesn't really get you going in the same way. To be honest, mate, we're only really down to the two rock matches, and that's and that's it. You know, in, in terms well, of other things we've, we've mentioned. No, so you've got two rock but, matches. 
Omega and Benoit ladder match. Oh, the Benoit ladder match. Good point. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Okay. We well, yeah, we should discuss that. Oh, I do like the Benoit ladder match. So I think you're right. I think we're down to um, if we take out the TLC, and I'm not averse to taking out that TLC as good as it was. I think you're right. I think we're down to two rock matches: Omega and Benoit ladder. Yeah. I think I think the Benoit one goes in, doesn't it? I think Benoit has to be represented on this list. It's a great match. It's the best of their matches. If you're saying that, you've got full agreement from me. If it was my list solely, then it would have gone in. I, you know, when you mentioned your four, that yeah. would have been in. That would have been in my definite four. Oh, I think it would have been in my. I think, in fact, I think I would have, you know, just called the five there, right there, and then had I, I literally. <laughs> I literally haven't written it down. I've got, I've got Benoit, but then I've got Angle next to it, and I've established that as the triple threat. I haven't necessarily um, thought about it as the ladder match. So, um, yeah, okay. So we've, we've got two triple H, we've got two HBK matches and two Benoit matches in, in a roundabout way, which is kind of fitting. Okay, it's the fifth then. It's, it's either of the Rock matches or it's Kenny Omega. I'm an Omega guy in terms of those matches. I think the quality of the match, simply the match, is a little bit better. But hey, the quality of the angle is pretty damn good as well. Um, maybe it was the, the the uniqueness. Maybe it was you know the, the the cool factor of seeing Jericho in a different company with a different look against a new opponent. Maybe it's because it's fresher in my mind. I don't know. I, I haven't really got a strong pitch, you know, to try and turn you um, because I'm perfectly aware of how good the matches between Rock and Jericho mm. were. Oh, 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 oh no! So I was going to say, are we in the position where we take out one of the HBK matches? But I just don't think I can. No, no, no! It'd be gimmicking the list. Um, for me, it's down to Omega or No Mercy with Rock. And I know which way I'd go, but I just don't want to. Imp- I don't. Want, I don't want to just impose my will on it because it's a straight choice. <laughs> This, I feel exactly the same because you, you obviously feel one way and I feel another. Oh, are we going to have to do a six? I know we did a seven two weeks ago. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do a six. I think it's just. I think five. we're going to. I think we're going to need to do a six. So it's a top six. It's, we can say that it's a bit of a special for for Chris that we normally do a five, but we'll make it a bit of a um, a six pack challenge for him on this particular occasion. Are. Let's go with those six. It's our show. We can do it if we want to. We can break the rules. Rules are there to be broken in wrestling, aren't they? Right. After all. So the list is in no particular order. Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 19. Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels from No Mercy 2008. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit versus Steve Austin and Triple H from the night after Judgment Day 2001. I don't know. Oh, in fact, I do have the date. It's May the uh, 21st, 2001. Um, it is the ladder match with Chris Benoit from, I don't have that written down, but it'd be Rumble 2001. Uh, yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Rock versus Chris Jericho from No Mercy 2001 and Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, that is the list. That is a six-match list that any wrestler that's ever walked the planet would be Poor. happy with. Um, and, we, and we've left out some belters. So kudos to you, Chris Irvine slash Jericho, uh, for an unbelievable career. And if, that, if they are the only six matches anyone ever sees of you in your time capsule, then they're going to be pretty darn proud. And the, also interesting, you've got six matches on there and half of them are from 2001. 
Yeah, and two of them are from bloody No Mercy. <laughs> yeah, so they are. Maybe so. Triple H, sorry, Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, and other people can be Chris Jericho is officially Mr. No Mercy. I think we'd be quite happy with that. Yeah, um, that one on the list. But yeah, we've left off matches with Triple H. We've left off matches with Edge and CM Punk and Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko and Tanahashi and Okada and oh goodness me, what a what a list. What a man. Uh, over to you, folks. Um, go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. The voting page will be there waiting for you. Um, this podcast will be going up uh, around about the 26th, 27th of November. You've got approximately 10 days or so um, to cast your vote, basically until the next time we record, which will be in a couple of weeks' time, and we will let you know what the topic is via our social media. Goodness me, Paul, we probably are only going to do two more podcasts of this ilk in 2020. Wow. Well, let's not pretend we'll be sad to see the back of this year, eh? No, let's also not pretend that 2021 is definitely going to be any better, but we hope it will be, of course. Uh, by the way, folks, we, we try not to do too much throwing plugs at you because we have a lot going on and we don't want to, uh, to bore you with it. We want to get to the, uh, the topic in hand. But a couple of things we do want to mention. Um, well, a couple of things we would always like to mention. I always mention the quiz that we do every Sunday night by the Hooked on Wrestling Facebook page. It's one of the highlights of my week. Um, we've been a bit of a rotating cast in recent weeks, but there's been a couple that I've not played, that Paul's not played. We've had other people join in, including the Twisted Genius Dean Ayer, um, and uh, one of our top quizzes, Patrick Heafield, who joined in and was, was excellent as a, as a host in my absence. Uh, it's always a weekly highlight. We love doing that. It's great fun. But we do, Paul, have a bit of a special quiz planned, which I know you'd like to mention to people. We do. We have the Hooked on Wrestling Christmas Quizmas special on Sunday, the 13th of December to raise funds for Fair Share, the children's poverty charity. We're going to be doing our usual quiz, but with a bit of bump, a bit of extra. Um, so we're going to be doing some tributes to, to some famous quiz shows. We're going to have some special guests on there. Uh, we'll do some fancy dress. And most importantly, we're going to have a bit of a laugh, aren't we? A bit of a giggle. Basically, our Christmas party. We can't throw a proper Christmas party um, for various different reasons. We often, sometime in December, have a little bit of a uh, get-together of Hooked on Wrestling's Great and Good, our, our writers, our party hosts, our admins, and whoever we can get together and have a razor glass. And um, we can't do that this year. So we thought if we're going to have any sort of get-together, we'll do it all together uh, on our pages and involve all of you as well. Um, so... We'd really love it if you would join us on that night. You can dip in and out. You don't have to be there all night. But we'll have things to give away. We'll have some fun to be had. And it'll be recorded. You'll be able to see it again afterwards as well. You don't have to be with us live. But it'd be really cool if you were, because it really adds to it. Um, We have so much fun on those quizzes anyway. This is going to be a real sort of bumper edition. So uh, please join us, um, as Paul says, on the 13th. That's correct, isn't it? 13th of December, Sunday night. That's it, yeah. 8pm? Indeed. So please join us for that. And also, folks, don't forget, hookedonwrestling.co.uk, updated constantly with news and information, views, old school articles. Paul wrote some absolutely belting articles last week uh, about Survivor Series. I really, really want to recommend them to you. Not just, I like Survivor Series and it's good when they tag in and wasn't a gobbledygook of funny lol, Um, but it was a real analysis of a little run of Survivor Series in the late 90s not necessarily for the show themselves. It's not a review of the show and Paul giving matches two and a half stars. 
it's have a little look at their historical context, how that led into the following year. It's, it's analysis. And I really, really like uh, when we're able to dip into that sort of thing and not just tell you what's happening on this week's Raw or some rumours about something. We can really tap into uh, the knowledge base that we have amongst the team. And Paul's done a really good job. So uh, please Thank go you. and find those on the website. Well, no, it's only fair. Um, when, something, when, you, when you do something of worth, mate, I have to mention it once a year. <laughs> um, but no, see, in all seriousness, folks, it's, it's really, worth, uh, really worth a read. So go and find that. Uh, and also, please check out our brother and sister podcasts. Um, as always, I try not to mention them by name because if I mention a couple, it means I leave some out. But there are plenty in the, uh, the Hooked On podcast network, all of which uh, information you can find. Paul will correct this if I'm wrong, but I think it's hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Am I right? Absolutely correct. So there you go. You can find plenty more information about uh, all of our other shows. Thank you for joining us. See you for the quiz on Sunday for many of you. And we'll be back with another How to Be Great in a couple of weeks' time. Any final words, Paul? No. Um, thank you, mate, for your, you know, I, I really enjoy doing these with you. It's, uh, it's a chance to really sort of get into the, the deep sort of analysis of these matches. And it's great. It gives me an excuse to go back and watch them as well. So thank you for doing this again. I know you give up a lot of your time for this. And it's much appreciated. And also, of course, thank you to everyone for listening. Yes, absolutely. Terrific um, stuff. Paul, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for another one of these quiz, uh, for these podcasts. But remember, it's very, very, very important that you remember this. If it's the only thought you take away from this week, just remember that it's wrestling. So enjoy it. We'll see you very soon. Yeah.